This episode originally aired in 2021. You're listening to Here and Queer, a five-part documentary series created by Umbrella on Liffey Sound FM about what it's like to come to Ireland as an LGBTQ adult. I'm your host, Keen Sullivan. This is episode three. This week, I speak to Victor Horvat, who arrived to Ireland following the goodwill of someone he barely knew. In this chat, we discuss finding his tribe in Hungary and here in Ireland. We also discuss the new anti-LGBTQ law currently being proposed in Hungary by Prime Minister Orban, which is trying to ban LGBTQ representation in the media under the guise of a quote, anti-pedophile law. Before we commence though, I just want to acknowledge that last time we spoke I teased that this episode would be a conversation with Palestinian performer Amir. However, since then Amir has decided that they no longer want their story broadcast for personal reasons, which I totally understand. These conversations are incredibly personal. It must be a daunting prospect having them broadcasted. So hopefully in the future Amir and I can do a new conversation for you to hear. But for now we have a great chat with Victor for you, so let's get into that. Victor Hordovat, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Um, do you want to kick things off by telling us kind of where you're f- from? I'm from this small village in Hungary that's about 20 kilometers from Budapest. It, uh, the name is Pach. Okay. Population, not too big. I mean, growing up there, I think it was 5,000 of us. Recent yeah. days, there's about 7,500 people living there. And uh, it's more, it's it's like a, it's almost like a commuter town. Like it's easy enough to, to get to Budapest. The only thing between my hometown and Budapest would be like one small little town and a big forest. Okay. And are, is your heritage all Hungarian or are you, do you have like sort of mixed international heritage? It is, it is bred and born in Hungary. Hungary Hungarian. and through. Yeah. So from my father's side of the family, I would have some gypsy bloodline going on, but mm-hmm. as far, yeah, like Hungarian gypsy line. Yeah. Okay. And so how would you describe uh, growing up there? You know, like, what was your family situation life? You know, is it kind of, was it rural? Um, not really rural. Like I said, there's there's about seven and a half thousand people living there. So it's... Yeah, okay. I mean, everything that was, like, how to say, major in my life, like going to school, going to work, everything was happening in Budapest. So it's like, okay. you would have to go to town to do anything to to get a better picture of my my hometown there was literally nothing there but like a couple of shops we had two churches and um that's pretty much it we have some pretty scenes for us like i said i didn't feel like i was sort of like cut off from you know um civilization do you have siblings yeah i have a i have a younger sister from my mother's side and and uh my father my father has for my father's side i have an an older brother that i really didn't really know okay to be honest my yeah so my my parents my parents got divorced they separated when i was six or seven ish so at that time, it was only my older brother that I know of, but didn't know much about. Like my father tried to do this thing where he would get us together, but we didn't really have to do anything with each other. So it was like yeah. a weird time, you know what I mean? And um, 
my younger sister only came 14 years ago. So I, I've only had like a couple of years with her. Um, yeah. And then I moved to Ireland. So it's only like what, once or twice a year that I get to see her. So if you if you were going into Budapest to go to school, was that means that a lot of the people you were in school with weren't living in your sort of hometown? No, they weren't. Uh, I made I made a really nice group of friends in my hometown from like primary school and some from secondary school. And uh, I formed like a really strong sort of bond with them. We bonded through drawing and arts and all that. Okay. So we would get together, have little parties, you know, yeah. and they were like the most um, just like open and accepting and really just, you know, good vibes, happy, mm. happy group of friends. And I think that was that was the best that like that was the best part of living there is that I had that little unit yeah. for myself that was so just good for not just building my character really, but to feel at home and I loved hanging out with them. So that was my free time after school. My first thing would be running home and you know, just make some time to hang out with these people because they're truly just amazing. Yeah, that was your that was your tribe, so to speak. Like you found your your people. Yeah, to... the the you know the the gay chosen family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but on the topic of that, you know, at that time in that place, was gay or however you identify were those words in your vocabulary? Was it something you were comfortable about? It was something that I've heard of, but it was something that wasn't really talked about in my family. Okay, which is only weird. Which is only weird because. I lived in a in a house with my grandparents, my mother, and my uncle, who's also gay. So, you know, like living with a gay person, mm. not knowing about it, okay. and just um, growing up being told that that's not even a word I should be, you know, really saying in front of people because it's embarrassing, it's disgusting, it will give people mm. ideas, mm. and um, so it wasn't really. Like if somebody said gay to me or anything that had to do anything with the LGBTQ community, my first like reaction would be like, oh, no, 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 we don't do that. Like, you yeah. know, it's um, um, so it, <laughs> it caused me a lot of a lot of confusion and and figuring out really of course. And about is that- my own. Was that a cultural thing or was that a legal thing? Like what were the what were the rules at the time? Um, there was no so homosexuality is not criminalized in Hungary at the moment. We're mm-hmm. slowly going towards it, unfortunately, yeah. and it is messed up. But um, no, at the time it wasn't um, criminalized. Um, you could get into a lot of trouble if you were seen with other men, or you know, just being openly gay on the streets could get you into trouble. You could easily get beaten up and. Uh, you know, words would be thrown at you. Yeah. And uh, it's unfortunately, I, well, thankfully it didn't happen to me as much as I thought it would. Okay. <laughs> but if it would happen to me more, I don't think there would have been anyone to sort of jump in and say, hey, you know, you need to stop this. And yeah, and it's Cause not appropriate. Cause I mean, that. even if your uncle had wasn't out at the time, I don't know what the age difference there was, but obviously it wasn't a particularly safe space for people. Um, my uncle was only, well, my uncle was out to my family only because he was caught with his boyfriend. Okay. One. By my mother. Yeah. 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 So he had his boyfriend over. My mother caught like them just like hugging. And then she was just, you know, like, 
explosion of emotions, according to my father. So I don't even know how much of this. Yeah, is okay, true we need to fact check because, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like because I I mean the whole conversation came up when I was in the car with my dad and and he we were talking about girls and relationships and whatnot and I don't know why but he just had it in his head that he needs to ask me if if I was gay or something and obviously like my reaction was like oh no geez how would I be that's that's not good that's not normal and um and then he sort of told me this whole story of my mom opening the door and there's my uncle making out with his boyfriend and how traumatized she was and I'm like I can't imagine her being traumatized because they're constantly hanging out and <laughs> I just sound of things they're going to all the good gay raves. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. so it's like my uncle was out to my family. He was out to my grandmother, my granddad, obviously my mother, because they loved going out partying together. Mm-hmm. And um, and he was never out in work. Okay. Not one of his like employers Tons. knew mm-hmm. that he was gay. It's not a thing. Um, and because of that, even myself, when the, the few places I, that I worked in Hungary, I would have never thought about telling them that I was gay because I mean, uh, no, just, the, just a thought of being treated differently. Hmm. There's yeah. like people's attitude towards you changes kind of. Yeah. First, it's kind of nice when they're just like walking on eggshells, trying not to hurt your feelings. But the second you make a mistake, the first thing to bring up is that you're just a filthy homo. So it's like, it's weird. Right. It's really, really weird. It's weird. So like as a community or as, as a nation, Hungarians aren't as accepting as I wish they were. Mm. Um, I have theories for many, many reasons of this. But, but yeah, no, just so you get a get an idea, get an idea. of but it's like yeah right. this might be a good point to sort of just kind of jump a bit forward into the future and discuss kind of what's going on in hungary now at the moment in terms of this new you know anti-pedophile in quotation marks law oh my um, god yeah. do you want to just talk people through if they're unfamiliar what was going on they heard chatter about it during the euros and they kind of you know haven't actually been staying abreast on the sort of issue oh jesus christ so <laughs> What's happening at the moment is the political party in power is, <laughs> um, well, they've sort of decided to whip up a bit of storm just to take attention away from all the bad doings, all the stealings that's been happening in okay. the country. And I mean, the easiest target for them at the moment being the LGBTQ community. Mm. Um because, like I said, um, as a nation, Hungary, Hungarians aren't as expect- accepting. So it's really easy to whip up a bit of hate okay. towards a group of people. And uh, not just that, but just that hate in general as well. It's so easy to just turn it into this legislation that, that's going on, or they're trying to pass at the moment. Um, basically... And what's the part that kind of stands out to me about this the most is that they they mentioned that they don't want any sort of form of LGBT representation in books uh, to children under age. And the first thing that I thought was, was there ever, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think if there was one history book or anything that in any way have mentioned 
LGBT people. You're right. And even uh, they're also targeting, you know, any sort of media. So certain movies won't be able to be shown during the day people are worried about. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's like, it's to me anyway, it feels like that they're just trying to use this like automatic reaction in, in Hungarian people that the disgust is just going to like take over an attack and just you know look the other way mm, of what's really really going on at the moment but when you I say mean, what's really going on is this some deflection of the government's policies around covid or is there other issues that they're trying to uh, not really covid just in general like i <laughs> i don't talk about this much but i'm um, just in general like how corrupt the uh, political party in power at the moment is right is insane and i mean i wish i could say that there's a better choice there's a way to go but i mean you look at them and everybody it's so clear that they're just stuffing their own pockets yeah there's there's uh there's just a lot of frustration coming from this in hungary it's kind of ingrained into our culture that it's like what else can you take away from us you know Mm. So there's a lot of sort of anger that comes with, with if I think if I think of if of people back home, the first thing that comes to me is just irritated and annoyed, and just they're not they're not let to the you know like just live a normal life. Yeah. So. So so you mean the people at home are irritated and annoyed because they've been they're being constantly taken from by the people who yeah, they choose exactly. to represent them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that must be very frustrating. Um, and definitely when you don't feel like there's an option, I mean, that that's kind of, you know, then there's sort of a lack of hope as well. It feels hopeless. And unfortunately, and this this was that I kind of made my, my illustrations on for, uh, for LGBT Ireland is that the only way out is to get out. Right. It feels like that. Just as, as a gay person, staying there living there um or trying to live anyway it just seems impossible it's like the first part is is to sort of get my get my you know like foreign language education up and go Mm -hmm. somewhere where it feels like i could be safe and appreciated or just just let me you know yeah yeah well we'll talk about your kind of transition of leaving hungary in a bit but part of the chat i've been asking people to choose some music for us so one of the songs i asked you to choose was a song that kind of reminds you of kind of growing up in hungary of hopefully those times with your fellow queer kids drawing pictures after school um what have you chosen for us right so there is a hungarian alternative band that i love 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 and they are called which i don't even know what way to go to translate it (laughs) (laughs) and the badger okay <laughs> <laughs> but um and the song is called hazy let ben uh it would translate to like when in life yeah sort of you know um it's like i said it's a it's a really cool alternative song and it just reminds me of chilling out with my friends going to parties together smoking outside until like four or five a.m and just being in that safe little bubble that i call my family Az életben nincs már több móka Meghalok, de 
before you left Hungary, did you come out? I did. I did indeed. I didn't really have to come out, and not because okay. I was like particularly flamboyant or yeah. you know had the uh, <laughs> the obvious signs. Mm-hmm. But um, um, my uncle's best friend had seen my profile on one of these dating sites. Ah, okay. So he he sort of went to my uncle and said, look, I think I've seen Victor online and you might want to talk to him just so he's not lost mm. <laughs> or something. Yeah. Do you know? And um, I think to my mother, also I didn't have to come out because um, she kind of had an idea. I don't know how. It could be that she just talked to my uncle. Mm. Maybe perhaps I don't know, but one day I I was at I wanted to ask her if I can have one of my friends over for a sleepover, and she looked at me and said, "Picture, I know he's not your friend. That's why." Okay. <laughs> so I was like, "Cool, does Granny know?" And she's like, "No." Okay. <laughs> so, like in terms of family, I'm out to my mother and my uncle. I'm pretty sure my grandparents know, but it's sort of a it's a weird dynamic we have. I love them dearly. They love me so much and they think so highly of me. Mm. But um, sexuality and boyfriends and relationships would be something that I never really talk to them about. Okay. Like a don't ask, don't tell kind of policy to that, a certain degree. That, very that. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is the same with my uncle. Okay. That, so they have the exact same with their own son, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay, and in ter- and was it just your family? Like your friend group was was it after school? Like how did you negotiate that university? Um. Well, when I was hanging out with this group of friends that I I mentioned before, mm. um, they <laughs> this is this this is gonna sound really weird, but these are all people who were really really obsessed of with sorry with Japanese homoerotica. Okay. So they just had this idea in their heads that everybody's gay in the world. <laughs> so like they would tell me constantly. And like I said, I had literally no zero signs of being gay. I didn't even know for a long, long time of my teenage years what yeah. was going on. But they were like convinced, Victor, you're gay and it's fine. Okay. <laughs> it was like I was like, okay, cool. So again, it was I was really fortunate because I just didn't really have to come out to them. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, they were there ahead of you almost. Very ahead of me, and they were opening very... the door to the closet, and you know they were lining <laughs> it with carpet on the way out. Opening the door, no, it's more like pushing me out the door <laughs> and being like, "It's fine, we'll dust you off." <laughs> so, at what point did you decide? You know, you mentioned about earlier on that it wasn't a great space to be a young gay person in Hungary. At what point did you decide, I'm going to have to leave? Um, it was when I started having troubles with work. It wasn't, it wasn't all necessarily connected to my sexuality. Um, um, like I said, uh, they sure like to, like to make people work for their money back home. And from those issues and not just working ridiculous hours and not getting paid enough i i had to take a little breather so i was home unemployed for six months and i couldn't stop thinking about this friend of mine um victoria who have recently moved to ireland and she was saying that she's having a good time but she just wishes she she sort of 
she had a bit she had better English so she could go out and and sort of do more things and the main thing for her to come here was that she wanted to make a living out of her art and me at the time I was very interested in art but I worked as a chef all my life so so I was like it would be probably easier for me to sort of you know get a new start in a new country with something that I already knew and I can do really well um so this friend of mine Vicky called me on my birthday um in August and then she said that um herself and her brother went for a little walk around Dundrum and they saw a uh, a poster for a job at a sushi place would I be interested and my first thought was like absolutely yes <laughs> just out of here like get this old terrible situation behind me and see what it's like on the other side you know yeah but I but financially I wasn't really ready to make any jumps or any moves and she said well have a think there's a place for you to stay you only start paying rent when you got your stuff together and you actually got a job so no worries just have a little think and yeah I was like cool there's still the uh the money part of this thing where I, I get there somehow you know so I did the thing what most desperate <laughs> young adults would do when I went on Facebook to just cry about my life being like, I can't believe that money is the only thing restraining me, you know. Mm. And um, funny enough, um, I was friends with some of my teachers from my culinary school and one of them who, um, yeah, my, my culinary arts teacher, actually, he picked up on, on the post, messaged me straight away to say, um hey victor i have some savings if really this is the only thing holding you back here's the money you oh, pay wow. me back whenever i could not believe like that, that's like, fantastic i know like what are the chances you know mm. yeah just from, are you yeah, still in contact with them i was for a couple of years after moving here but then i i sort of like got off social media for a while so i lost contact with people with a lot of people actually I'm really annoyed about, but I should really, really try and get in touch with him again, see where he is in life now. Yeah. I mean, what a what a lovely thing to do. And what a sort of just like spur of the moment, just well-intentioned thing to do. For yeah. And I, I think it's because like he's been, he's he has lived abroad before. He went home yeah. and tried to make a living out of teaching, you know, and it just wasn't happening. So he was like, do you know what? get back out and he saw me I guess being in his shoes just mm. at home trying to to have sort of normality in my life but it just wasn't really happening yeah so he he was my Willy Wonka he was your, my golden, you know? yeah your fairy godmother your guardian angel or whatever it was just like <laughs> my straight fairy godmother <laughs> yes so that brought you here and and this is where you've where you've got stayed ever here. since I had I had a I had a really easy start. I had a place to stay. I had lovely people around me who like honestly I cannot thank enough. And like just finding my own way from there was so easy and it's all thanks to them. Oh, that's fantastic. Well we'll talk about your time in Ireland a bit more, but let's have song number two, the song up by a queer artist that you really enjoy. Oh my god, yeah. So it has to be Dorian Electra. Sorry mm. and Electra and fantastic. the song I picked is Sorry Bro I Love You because 
I mean, the song just speaks to me on many levels. <laughs> Sorry, I love you. Sorry, bro, I'm thinking of you. I don't wanna bug you. Sorry, bro, I love you. You know I'm always thinking of you every day. And when I try to look at you, you look away. I didn't have expectations, and that's just like, um, it's really my fault because when when my friend, like I said, my friend Vicky called me and said, "Come to Ireland," I was like, "Cool, Ireland. Where the heck is Ireland?" <laughs> <laughs> like that's just a lack of my, you know, knowledge of literally anything around me in the We're world. We're opposite sides of the constant, all right. So I mean, easy to I mean, I just let me live in my terrible homophobic bubble back home, all right. <laughs> like, just let me just stew in it but yeah no I, I didn't know where I was going I didn't know what to expect all I knew is that I had my English and I like obviously I did some googling of what are the sites what am I going to check out where am I going to go where to look for jobs around Dublin and I've seen a couple of restaurants that I was like okay this might be cool mm. so my only expectation was that I'm going to go to a different country hopefully with a better vibe <laughs> mm. and just just try and you know work and live a life and see what it's like yeah without all the words from from talking to people either through this series or just in general i often find that when people sort of jump into a new country they tend to find other people in their similar situation other sort of migrants to use a word yeah. was that your case or what, did you find yourself like an irish network um I th- yeah, well, I mean, working in, in, in restaurants, I was surrounded by all different types of people, really, from, from Poland, from Brazil. I had, a, I had a, a good couple of Irish colleagues as well. And uh, it was just a good mix of people. And it's really nice. It's really, really lovely to see how easy it is to get on with all these people. Mm. There's literally no judgment. There's, I mean, us people leaving the country, it's... It's either it could be for in my um, point of view anyway. I think it would be for two reasons. One is you're going somewhere in hopes of a better life, yeah. Or you can go somewhere to get an experience, gain something, and take home something with you, yeah. And in my case, I was surrounded by people who sort of ran away from home. Okay. So it just it felt like we were these like you know just a bunch of pirates who are trying to have a good time yeah and it was happening like we're, we were a bunch of pirates and we were having a blast and we okay. were surrounded by really open and accepting people okay well, that sounds great and in terms of like the queer community in ireland how was it did you feel kind of excluded from them did you find it kind of clicky or did you kind of just fit in naturally Oh, I mean, coming from a different country to Ireland, like, doesn't matter where you're from, you're exotic. <laughs> it's amazing. <Okay. laughs> it's, it's literally like, you know, like when you buy a pack of jellies and you get your favorite flavor, but there's only one of it. That's me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's such a great, it's so, I, I couldn't believe it myself. It's such a great feeling. No, seriously, Irish people are the most accepting and open and loving people that I've met so far. And, okay. and that's, sort of translates to the gay community as well. I mean, me coming here, not knowing what to expect, um, alone going to a party that I thought would be clicks and Mm. just me standing at the wall. I think I spent five minutes with my pint 
and somebody came over to chat me up you know yeah yeah that's good to hear i mean actually you can't like i strive with this series to try find ways in which we can improve you know is there any like what for the people who are currently in ireland in the queer community or otherwise do you think can we take on board in order to make sort of ourselves Mm. more approachable or make the country better for people who come from outside i think uh, that's a that's a tough one (laughs) i'm still living in my even after living here for nine years i'm still living in my uh my honeymoon period with irish people (laughs) so it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint and pick things out that i don't like i mean don't get me wrong there's there's bad people everywhere there's terrible terrible people everywhere i've met a few i don't think it necessarily is a is a sort of a a problem with the nation or that you know something that you can make a stereotype out of sure rent could be better (laughs) right right you're based in dublin is that right i was and only last december i moved to the countryside in west mead okay Okay, well, the rent surely is better there, all right. It can't be too. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's an improvement. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and how does it feel seeing all these changes happening in your country of origin and being sort of on the outside looking back in? That must be difficult. It it is. It just my heart bleeds for for everyone that. I left home, really. Yeah. All my friends who are in a similar situation than I was, but they have tougher skin. Yeah. I mean, looking at them, I, I just thinking, how long can they take this, you know? And I'm not saying there's people going after gays and bashing them constantly, but mm-hmm. it's it's not an it's not a good mentality to be living in that you just have to sort of keep that part of you in a little box yeah. and only take that box out of your little pocket whenever you feel safe in your bubble with it. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. anyone who's listening who wants to sort of support the people of Hungary, you know, who are victims of this new bill in any way, how can they help if if at all? I Yeah, I think just bringing attention to the problem is good. My... Uh, bringing attention to things only goes to an extent, especially with people back home in Hungary, just because um, saying that there's, there needs to be a change of attitude because entire Europe is laughing at us, you know, is not a good enough. It's, it's not good enough for them. They're just like, well, Europe can go and do themselves, you know, it's. Yeah. Pushes them away, kind of further isolated. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like there's this terrible mentality of we don't need help. We just need this and this. And like, you know, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's really hard. Mm. There are people back home already doing their part who mm. know gay people, who live with gay people, who are, who have LGBT people and accept them in their lives. And they know there's literally no difference in between whatsoever. Yeah. And those are the people who I think need a bit of, you know, a bit of kick and hope because they're the ones doing the job. LGBT youth and their loving families are the ones who are spreading the word. And, and I think a bit of encouragement would definitely go a long way. 
yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, Victor, thank you so much for talking to me today. I know that's never easy to sort of open yourself up like that, so I really appreciate yeah. it. And again, big love with everything that's going on in Hungary. It must oh, be very difficult you, to watch. So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just a weird and hard subject to sort of just to talk about and mm. and get my get my thoughts on. Absolutely. <laughs> we finish all these conversations uh, with a song that reminds you of your time here in Ireland from an Irish artist. So what are we going to yeah. listen to? Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> it's my absolute favorite. And I was, I was going through, I was going through my little list. I was like, how, how country can I go? You know, <laughs> as country as you <laughs> want. As country as I want. But then I was like, you know what? Let's meet in the middle somewhere. So it has to be Dubliners and for my favorite is Parting Glass. I love Parting Glass. There is a fair maid in this town that sorely has my heart beguiled. Her rosy cheeks and ruby lips, I own she has my heart in thrall. Then fill to me the parting glass. Good night and joy be with you all. Thank you for listening uh, and thank you to Victor for speaking so kindly. And I know it must be difficult talking about what's currently going on in Hungary at the moment. So anything you can do, just educate yourself, educate others. And yeah, just know what's going on in the world because it's one of the best tools we have to try and, and prevent it. Next week, I'll be speaking to Marisha, a student originally from Poland who grew up in Tipperary, and they'll be telling me all about what that duality of life is all about. Okay, have a lovely week. I'll talk to you then.